Let's turn to Exodus chapter 27. That was my boys. I was like, I, you know, I need a decent joke. And they, Dad, you've got to tell the chicken joke. I'm like, I don't know about the chicken joke. Exodus chapter 27. If you'll find your spot with me and stand tonight. Exodus chapter 27. And uh, we're going to look in verse 1. Exodus chapter 27 and verse 1. We're going to look at the next uh, furnishing in the tabernacle, the, the brazen altar. Exodus 27, verse 1, And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, uh, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horns shall be of the same, and thou shalt overlay it with brass. And thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes, and his shovels, and his basins, and his flesh hooks, and his fire pans. All the vessels thereof thou shalt make of brass. And thou shalt make for it a grate of network of brass, and upon the net shalt thou make four brazen rings in the four corners thereof. And thou shalt put it under the compass of the altar beneath, that the net may be even to the midst of the altar. And thou shalt make staves for the altar, staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with brass. And the staves shall be put into the rings, and the staves shall be upon the two sides of the altar to bear it. Hollow with boards shalt thou make it, as it was showed thee in the mount, so shall they make it. Lord in heaven, again, we come into your presence today. Father, just thank you for the wonderful day that you've given us, and help us to understand your word as we read it. Most importantly, Lord, help us to apply it to our lives and all that we say and all that we do. And uh, Father, I just thank you for the great song service in which we were able to lift up our voices unto you, and the offering, uh, Father, in which able to give unto you and, and worship in that manner. And now, Lord, the, the most important time as we open up your word, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and challenge us. Help us to apply what we hear and what we read to our lives. In Christ's name, amen. I'm glad you're here tonight. I'd like to preach a message uh, tonight entitled, When God Can't, I Can. <laughs> I, I'm going to use that for a long time, Amen. I'm only 51 years old. I got a lot of preaching me left, and that's listen, brother. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been tongue-tied like that, and and I get done preaching, and Dina said, "Did you know what you said up there?" I said, "Babies can't get baptized." What are you talking to her? No, I appreciate that. That's a blessing. Have you ever? Have you ever? Uh, the, the title of my uh, message really is the Brazen Altar. A place of reconciling. The brazen altar, a place of reconciling. I don't know if you ever have had to give anything up that was of extreme value to you. You know, something, man, that was extreme value and I had to give it up. Now, oftentimes we can't remember something like that when we give it up, but you have. You have given up much and a lot that is of extreme value to you. The problem is you were just a little guy or a little gal when it happened. You were just a little person when you had to give up something of extreme value. When you were little and had no control over your life, you had to share those toys with, with your siblings, or you had to share those, that ice cream with your stinking brother or something like that. You know, when you were a little kid and you had something and you had to share, and you're like, no, no. You had to give up something that was of extreme value. We've all had to share. We just didn't like it very much at that point in time in our life. Because when we get older, that's wonderful things about getting older and making, be able to make decisions on our own. When we get older, we only tend to sacrifice the things that we want to sacrifice, don't we? We only sacrifice, I don't know about that. There's an offering, a special offering, or there's, they don't want me to do this, or they don't want me to do that. And as we get older, we have the 
tendency to kind of do this and like, I just don't know about that. Let me pray about that. <laughs> Let me think about that for a little bit. And our sacrifices tend to become more meager, me, smaller uh, as we get older. Because when we get older, that's what happens. We tend to, to only sacrifice those things we want. Now, as a 51-year-old man, I have every right to say to my 14-year-old son, no, you're not getting any of my Butterfinger Blizzard. Are you kidding me? That's not going to happen at all. And that's that. You know, just told him that's the way it is because I'm 50. When you go get your own ice cream or get whatever you want. And it's certainly a truth. We only sacrifice that which we want. And oftentimes, we weigh the pros and cons. When it comes to that sacrificing, we weigh that, don't we? Man, do I want to do that or I don't want to do that? I can guarantee you, man, what a blessing for this young lady and this young man to surrender their lives into full-time ministry. But you just think they woke up and said, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to sacrifice my life to the Lord. No, there was some thinking going on there, wasn't there? There was some, the preaching of God's Word, and there was some conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, and there was the weighing of some pros and cons about, man, what are, what are people going to say, or what are people going to do, or what are they going to think? And man, do I want to do this? Right? It's going to be a change of life. I'm just saying, when sacrificing comes in a life of, a, of, of older people, we start thinking about it, and sometimes we overthink what God wants us to do. And so the altar, what I want to look at this, this evening is the brazen altar. This morning we looked at the courtyard and the only entrance therein, and a gate made up of two curtains, remember, each 22 and a half feet long. And so the gate was located, as we mentioned, on the east side of the courtyard, and as soon as the worshiper came into the gate, they were met with the next furnishing that we find in the courtyard, which, excuse me, which is the brazen altar. And guys, if you'll go ahead and put that slide up there, which is the altar of burnt offering. And I can pretty much guarantee you that's not what it looked like. And so, you know, I always say, you know, that's some artist's rendition of what it looked like, and that's probably not, it's probably fairly close, but that's, you know, we'll wait till we have to wait till we get to heaven to see what it actually looked like. But here we find the next furnishing when they walked into the courtyard. And so just picture this. You know, they're outside of the curtain, they're outside of the tent, and they walk in the only gate on the east side, and they step in that, and boom, they're met with this brazen altar uh, uh, that was where the sacrifice of the animals were to take place. And so the brazen altar is where the children of Israel would bring those necessary sacrifices unto the Lord to offer up for various reasons. In a nutshell, the altar symbolized the need for atonement, is what it symbolized, the need to be reconciled unto a holy God. Uh, and so as the worshiper entered into the courtyard, that's, this is, the, again, the very first thing they saw was the altar of burnt offering. And, and the point being on this, when, when the children of Israel, when they wanted to worship and when they came in with a sacrifice, if I'm going to meet with a holy God, because remember, here's the point, just follow me on this, as we're going to look at this week, I walk into the tent uh, of the curtain and I see this brazen altar and I'm going to go forth, forth a little bit farther and see the, the brass laver. And then the, high, the priest is going to be able to enter into the tabernacle and, and see the candlestick and, and the table of showbread and the altar of incense. And then behind that veil was the presence of a holy God. And so when someone wanted to have fellowship, there's only one door that they can come in to have fellowship with Him. And I'm just saying, when you want to have fellowship with the holy God, there's one door that you're going to have to enter in. It's Jesus Christ. And the very first thing that we're going to have to deal with is the need for atonement. The need to, for atonement to deal with our sins. Because you can't get over here until you stand right there with that brazen altar. You cannot bypass these elements to get over here into the presence of God until we deal with a need for reconciliation with God. And so, it was no doubt the focus of attention for all the worshipers who entered into this courtyard. They walked in and bam, there it is. 
The altar was where God met with His people, a people who, who needed to atone for their sins. And the death of an animal sacrifice, when they would bring this animal sacrifice in and place it on that altar there, it signified, it showed that the offerer deserved to die for their transgressions. Here they are bringing their sacrifice, and what they're saying is that I, I'm the one who's worthy to die for my sins, but by substitution, this animal is going to die for me. Especially on the Day of Atonement, when the, when the blood of the sacrifice was taken and spread on the mercy seat. It, it was a substitute. The Lord, the Lord says, in your place, Israel, in your place, I'll take an animal sacrifice, and here's the type of sacrifices that you're going to have to give. So the bronze altar must have been Man, it must have been breathtaking for the observer and, and the smoke that was going up and the fire. I'm just telling you what. I, I hope, anyone besides me hope there's instant replay in heaven? I mean, limited. Limited replay. Not everything. Not my life or probably yours. But back in Old Testament times, wouldn't it be awesome to have instant replay that you can see? And half of you are like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, we, don't, we need to get some bleach bit and stuff like that. But anyway, you know, the replay would be nice to see some of these things. But this bronze altar must have been breathtaking, blazing with a red-hot fire. The altar was surrounded by priests who tended uh, to the constant sacrifices. And what this brazen altar did is it just cried out for more and more and more. I want more sacrifices, more sacrifices, more sacrifices. I'm just telling you what, when you read about the type of sacrifices and the number of sacrifices, those boys were busy. They were busy with this, and they were appeasing. You could say that they were appeasing the wrath of a holy God because the children of Israel on the outskirts and that were surrounding the, whole, surrounding the whole tabernacle, they were the ones who were worthy of death. They were the ones who should have been on that sacrifice, but God says, no, I'll take an animal, but there's going to be a lot of them. And so the brazen altar cried out uh, for more sacrifices. That, that's what the only purpose of it was, is to consume an acceptable sacrifice before a holy God. You walk inside the courtyard, and this big structure just couldn't be ignored. And every man who entered through the gate had to acknowledge his presence. You, can't, you couldn't walk into that gate and take a few, you know, like, you know, and not, and not realize and recognize here, there needs to be atonement for our sins. Everyone with me on that? I mean, it, it, was, it was bold. It was right there. And so the truth, this truth bears repeating for us today. Before any man today... Before any of us today can have a relationship with God, today in 2019, we have to come to grips with our need for atonement. And we talked about that this morning, and the atonement only comes through the person of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, we can't get to heaven any other way, and I think we all understand that tonight. Lord willing, everyone here knows Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, but we understand the need for atonement is through the person of Jesus Christ and no one else. And so I don't need to go into more detail on that. We, we, we fully understand that. But we have to come to grips with our need for atonement, for reconciliation with God through the sacrificial blood of the Savior, Jesus Christ. There must be a sacrifice. I I cannot go to heaven, and you cannot go to heaven if there's not a sacrifice. One must be made. And and so these are the facts of this sanctified altar here before us tonight. As we saw in verse 1, the altar, and I'm not going to read all of that. It gets a little laborious again there with some of the details. But as we saw in verse 1, the altar was to be seven and a half feet wide, by seven and a half feet long, by four and a half feet high. So that's a pretty good-sized altar right there. Uh, Like the other parts of the tabernacle, acacia wood or shittim wood was found in the Sinai Desert, and it was chosen because of its hardness and because of its durability. I don't know if you have any woodworkers here, but the wood was harder than oak and hickory. And so the Lord says, this is the wood you're going to use. Verse 2 tells us that the altar was to be made with a horn on each of the four corners made of one piece. 
Uh, verse 2 says, Now shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horn shall be of the same, and thou shalt overlay it with brass. Not only were the horns uh, uh, often used to tie up the sacrifices, according to Psalm 118, and so they would come and they'd be able to tie up the sacrifices there, but, but the horns of the altar were symbolic for several truths. Scripture tells us that the horns symbolized many things, such as the atoning power of the altar, which is seen in the result of the sacrifice. As some of the blood was put on the horns before the rest was poured at the base of the altar. And the the horns also symbolize God's power and strength, as seen in Joshua chapter 6 and 1 Samuel chapter 2. The horn also symbolized God's salvation. I'd like for you to look over in Exodus. Hold your spot here and look in Exodus chapter 30, just a couple pages to your right. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 10. The Bible says, And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generation. It is most holy unto the Lord. Leviticus 8.15 says, And he slew it, and Moses took the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar round about with his finger and purified the altar and poured the blood at the bottom of the altar and sanctified it to make reconciliation upon it. So the horns also... Not only that, but they symbolize God's protection and God's security and God's help. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. You remember when Adonijah tried to usurp the throne of Solomon? Man, what a dumb move on his part. Tried to usurp the throne of Solomon and and David ultimately made uh, Solomon king. And remember, Adonijah was so petrified that he fled and he ran to the horns of of the altar for safety. What he did is he was running to those horns right there and grabbing hold of those because, Lord willing, you're not going to kill me at the altar of sacrifice at the brazen altar. Well, Job, Joab tried that too and didn't fare so well for him. And, and, and 1 Kings 1.50, Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold of the horns of the altar. And, and so the, those horns symbolize God's protection and His security in His sanctuary. Verse 2 tells us that the altar was to be overlaid or covered with brass to prevent the wood from burning up and the blazing fires that burn continuously upon the altar. Listen, there was never any rest for this altar. You know, I might be thinking, okay, it's Tuesday, it's sacrifice time. Everyone bring your sacrifices, it's Tuesday. You know, that's the day we do sacrifices. That's not so. As God was very clear in His instructions, the fire must never be allowed to go out in this thing. Leviticus 6.13, The fire shall, nev- shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Notice as well, all the utensils were made of brass. Look in verse 3. And thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes, and his shovels, and the base- his basins, and his flesh hooks, and his fire pans, all the vessels thereof thou shalt make of brass. And thou shalt make for it a grate of network of brass Upon the net shalt thou make four brazen rings in the four corners thereof. Verse 4 speaks of the brass grate with the rings in the four corners thereof, as you kind of see in the picture. Two poles were to be made also of that acacia or shittim wood overlaid with brass to help carry it. And these poles were inserted into the four rings when it was carried. And verse 8 tells us that the altar was to be made hollow. Verse 8, hollow with boards shalt thou make it. As it was showed thee in the mount, so shall they make it. And that's why we know this is probably not what it looks like, because God showed Moses in the mount, this is what it's supposed to look like. And so Moses, when they were given the directions, Moses said, that's not what it looks like. You need to do it just a little bit differently. But God says, listen, this is exactly how I want this thing built, because this is important, because this is a shadow of things to come, and it's a shadow of the need for 
for, uh, uh, for a sacrifice to be made, for atonement to be made, which Jesus Christ is doing, going, going to do on the cross of Calvary. Th- this, was a, this was a big deal. Now, let's make some application on this this evening. It's already been mentioned, but a substitutionary sacrifice is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. That's one of the things when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need for someone to be saved. Man, alive, there. <laughs> When we're witnessing to people and we're talking to them, it's not like, hey, would you like to go to heaven when you die? Oh, who wouldn't want to go to heaven when they die? Let's just make a commitment to the Lord. Would you like to make a commitment to the Lord? Oh, yes, and we pray and make a commitment to the Lord. That person is no more saved than this pulpit right here. I'm telling you what, when you talk to someone uh, about their need for forgiveness of sins and, and salvation and heaven is their home and being reconciled unto a holy God, you have to talk to them about their sin and you have to talk to them about a sacrifice that was made on their behalf named Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't get away from that. Let's, let's be certain, you know, it's more important that we, we see a soul saved than get another notch on our belt and say, hey, you know, what led someone to Christ? And you've probably done more damage to that person than ever, than ever before. And, and so, listen, a substitutionary sacrifice is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.22 tells us, without the shedding of blood is no remission. Christ could not have died on that cross by asphyxiation. Without the shedding of blood, we'd still be in our sins. Christ could not have drowned. We'd still be in our sins. No, he had to die on the cross. There were certain things that had to take place. One of them, most importantly, is the shed blood of Jesus Christ so that I could be saved, so that you could be saved tonight. And so there can be no forgiveness. There can be no reconciliation. There can be no getting any farther in this path over here to meet with the Holy God, to get into his presence if Jesus Christ had not died on the cross for our sins without the shed blood. There is no way, listen, there is no way to approach him. There is no way to be saved or even have fellowship with him other than through the death of a substitute. Now, this Old Testament brazen altar that we see before us was a wonderful picture in type of the cross, of course, the wondrous cross on which the, on which the Prince of Glory died, as we just mentioned. He, Jesus Christ fulfilled the symbolism of this bronze altar perfectly. Uh, John 1.29 tells us that Jesus Christ, it is Jesus Christ who is the Lamb of God. Isaiah 53, 7 tells us that it is Jesus Christ who is the lamb brought to the slaughter. According to 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it is Jesus Christ who is the Passover lamb sacrificed for us. Mark 10, 45, it is Jesus Christ who gave his life a ransom. 1 John 3, 16, it is Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us. So you and I are the ones who deserve to pay the penalty for our sins. And I think we all understand that. I mean, you know, Lord willing, everyone, we, we know that. We're, we've been saved and we understand those types of things. We deserve to die, but Jesus Christ was willing to die. He was willing to place himself on the altar to pay the penalty for us. And I'm so thankful for that, that I can be forgiven for my sins and, and that I can have heaven as my home because there's no other way that you can get into the presence of the Father or have sweet fellowship with him if you don't go through that atonement, don't go through the cross of Calvary. There's only one door, we talked about that, it's through Jesus Christ. But then you have to talk about the atonement. You have to talk about the sacrifice that's necessary. Now, thank the Lord, since the death of Jesus Christ, there's no longer need for a few animal sacrifices. There's no more need for animal sacrifices today. And to that I say, amen. Could you imagine that? I'm telling you what, sometimes I read in the Old Testament, you know, about the number of sacrifices, especially when Solomon dedicated the temple. That's a whole lot of livestock. We came up through uh, western Kansas on our way here, and, and there's some cattle, there's some cattle uh, feeds out there, cattle lots out there. I'm telling you, there's going to be a gazillion cattle out there. And, I, and I, you, know, you drive by that, and you look at that, and you hold your nose as you're driving through there, and, and you think of the animal sacrifices that take place. I'm just thankful that we don't have to do that today. Although, although we do have a 
We do have a cat that's hanging around the church, and I, I wouldn't mind you know, rereading some of that part to make sure about that. I wouldn't mind having an altar for that cat. But at any rate, listen, there's no more need for an animal sacrifice because the blood of bulls and goats can't take away our sins anyway. It doesn't work that way. Hebrews 9.12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, uh, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. No, listen folks, God's not interested in animal or blood sacrifices. We're not going to have any new revelation come down from heaven and say, listen, I've changed my mind. I think we're going to revisit this, uh, you know, here in this age in which we live, in the age of the local church. And I think I'm going to have some more. Listen, he is not interested in animal sacrifices today. So where then does that leave us as born-again believers? Well, I'm telling you what, friends, he's looking for a different kind of sacrifice, isn't he? Turn with me over to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Our Lord's looking for a different sacrifice. He's looking for a sacrifice of your life and of my life. Romans chapter 12. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul writes here, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so the Lord Jesus Christ has already made the appropriate sacrifice to appease the holiness of God. Nearly 2,000 years ago, when he climbed on that cross in Calvary, I'm telling you what, that was, that was the uh, uh, acceptable sacrifice for your sins and for mine. He doesn't need to be sacrificed again. There's no other sacrifice that's necessary. That was complete. But what he's asking from us today is to present the only thing that we can present. What do I have that he wants? Well, you know what? I have a 68 Super Sport Camaro in the garage. I mean, I have that. Wouldn't that be so? I'll present that to the Lord. He doesn't want this, that dumb car. Well, I've got, man, I've got talent, man. I've got, you know, I've got this or I've got that. And I've got a portfolio like you can't believe. Uh, what is it that God's wanting from us today? He's wanting from us the only thing that we can possibly give him, and that is our body, that is our life. That's what he wants from me, and that's what he wants from you today, friend, is your life, your body, your service unto him. And now that's certainly not too much to ask considering all that he has done for me. I'm saying when you, when you, when you figure all this in and factor in that he died for my sins and for your sins, and he willingly suffered the shame and the humiliation and was beaten and whipped and, and ridiculed and mocked, and was placed upon that cross, and, and he died a horrible death, bearing your sins and my sins, and laid in that tomb for three days and three nights. I'm just telling you what, with all of that, all he's asking from me, and all he's asking for you is to submit your life unto him as a living sacrifice. I don't think that's too much. I, I don't think he's overstepping his bounds or, 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 or asking too much from us. I just don't think that's the case. But again, remember here, we're often prone to only sacrifice that which we want to sacrifice, aren't we? Don't we? Man alive, okay, so the Lord wants me to sacrifice, that's good, but now that I'm 51, I don't know that I want to share like I had to when I was four or five or six. And so the older that we get, and so we start making our own decisions, and we like these liberties, and I have, you know, I have a 22-year-old son at home, and I have Jenna who's 17, and she's going to be going to Heartland, not this fall, but next fall, I, I think. And uh, if I allow it. And so, you know, you have these kids and they get older and they start making their own decisions. And man, there's a little bit of freedom and they get to spread their wings a little bit. And they start thinking, well, I don't know that I want to sacrifice that. 
I don't, I don't know that I want to give my, my, my life to the Lord. I don't know that I want to do that because I have these freedoms. We were forced to do it when we were younger, but now God's asking us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, and we start to hymn all around. And I'd like to just say that it just ends with the 17 and 18 and 22-year-olds, but you can be 40 and you can be 50 and you can be 60 and start slipping off that altar and say, hmm, I don't know if I want to get involved with Faith Promise Missions this year. I don't know that I want to make the sacrifice and, and go to services Five days a week. I don't know that I want to read my Bible all the time. I think that's a little overrated. The preacher keeps talking about that and pray all the time. I don't know about that. You know, I, well, we're talking about sacrifices here, aren't we? We're, we're talking about what we're going to do with our body, so to speak. And certain, certainly, we're often prone to only sacrifice that which we want. So Paul here shows us how, in Romans chapter 12, he shows us here how to, to present this body, as he uses the same word sacrifice there in verse 1. Notice again, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, I wonder, how many of you think that he probably understood the whole Old Testament sacrificial system? I think he probably fully understood that, don't you? It's not like he's like, man, I want... No, he knew exactly. As a Pharisee, he knew what was going on. He knew all about the Old Testament sacrifices. He knew all about that brazen altar. He understood fully. He didn't just throw the word sacrifice in there haphazardly or randomly. No, he said, listen, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, right there by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, an acceptable, which is acceptable unto God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And so when the Old Testament priest brought the animal to, his brazen, to this brazen altar, when the animal was slain, when they would bring that animal on there right inside the courtyard, right inside that gate, when the Old Testament priest brought that animal to that altar, the animal, when the animal was slain, the body was offered completely upon the altar of God. I mean, the whole animal went up there. The, whole, the, the animal was sacrificed. Now, I can guarantee you that when an Old Testament sacrifice took place and an animal was killed and placed upon the altar that the animal didn't move. Amen? His all was on the altar. And there was no bartering around. There was no, the, the goat wasn't saying, hey, I'll make you a deal you know, if you let me get out of here. You know, I know, you know, there was nothing like that going on. When that animal came in, he had no rights. He, he, his rights were forfeited. I mean, he was under the control of the master, if you will, and he was laid upon that sacrifice or upon that altar and sacrificed unto the Lord. Willingly or not, he went. And likewise, Paul says that we too are to be a sacrifice But Paul says we are to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord, which is a whole lot different, praise the Lord, for that. I'd rather be a living sacrifice than an animal sacrifice. I'll be a living sacrifice all day long. But unlike the Old Testament sacrifice, which was dead and completely offered unto God, I'm just saying, Christians sometimes, Christian sacrifices, our living sacrifices tend to slip off the altar from time to time in our sacrifice unto God, don't we? Sometimes we slip off that altar. If any of you have ever said, I'm going to do this for the Lord, I'm going to do this, I'm going to start my Bible reading, I'm going to start praying, I'm really going to get devoted unto the Lord, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, if you will, whatever that means. Uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to rededicate my life to the Lord, and then you find yourself three weeks out, three months out, three years out, and the Bible reading is not where it needs to be. Your church attendance is slipping, we're not giving like we used to give, we're not getting involved, we're not coming to special meetings. Everyone with me on that? Our, our, our living sacrifice tends to slip off that altar and God says that's not supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to work out. And the biggest problem that we have, the biggest problem that I have, 
in, in being a living sacrifice is oftentimes my inability, inability to stay on that altar, or to stay on the altar of God, if you will, and, and, and in my service unto Him. That's my biggest problem. Man, I can blame anyone until the cows come home. I could blame my family for not being on the altar. I could blame my circumstances, my job, financial difficulties. I can blame my pastor. Wait a minute, I'm the pastor. I can blame the pastor's wife, you know, for not, you know, <laughs> that's more, whatever. And so, you know, I can blame all these things, but you know who's responsible? Come on, guys. You know, who's responsible for slipping off the altar? You are, and I am. It's because of our poor choices. It's because of our willingness to get off that altar when God says, I want you to be on that altar as a living sacrifice. You are accountable. You are responsible. You are obligated, as we talked about in Sunday school, to be a follower of Christ. All the words of the Lord we have heard, we will do. Man, alive. remember those times? Remember the times when we were on fire for the Lord and, and, and man, it's like we were ready to charge hell with a squirt gun? That's often how it was when a person first gets saved. Man, you call up your friends, you call up your family. Guess what I did? I trusted Christ my Savior. Whoo, man, I can't wait. This is the best day of my life. Yeah, okay, wait, just give them a week or two. Give them a month or two. They'll settle down. Man, know what? That, that ought not be in the life of a born-again believer. We, we, you know, might not be as excited as you were the, the day that you got saved, but it ought to be still as real in your soul and in your heart and in your mind to want to do something pleasing unto God. So I want, I want to get back on that altar. I, I, want, I want God to do something with my life. And I'm just telling you what has happened in my life, and it's happened in your life too, where we begin to slip off that altar. And, and our Bible reading starts slipping here and there. And our, and our prayer life begins waning here or there. Or our, our giving, or our attendance, or whatever it might be, our devotion unto Christ. Those things start waning and what we're doing, and perhaps we don't realize that we're slipping off that altar. We're coming right off that altar and saying, you know what? My sacrifice is more important than God's sacrifice. What I want to do is more important than what God wants me to do. If we're not faithful in our walk with Jesus Christ, a part of us here and a part of us there will slip right off that altar, and before you know it, you're not offering Christ the full sacrifice that He deserves, because He deserves it all. I want you to notice a couple facts here in Romans chapter 12. First, God has some pretty specific demands for the believer's body. You know, it's amazing. This body is His. And my body belongs to Him. You know, I was thinking if I was walking down, if I was walking down, in a, walking down the street or something, and I dropped my wallet, you know, I was you know, walking down, and I, and I dropped my wallet, you know, go ahead, go ahead and pick it up. And you know, this guy over here sees it. What's your name again? There's money in that. I'm paying attention. Trevor? Trevin. So I'm walking down, I'm like, oh, man, I, where's my wallet? Anyone had that happen to you? Or your phone? That's more likely, your phone, you know, whatever. And so, you know, you're like, oh, and you're like that, and, and you're like, and, oh, Trevin, tre- that, give that to me. That's mine. Now, I would have every right to do that, wouldn't I? Well, who would be, I mean, you, I could be nicer about it. I could say, oh, Trevin, that, oh, man, I'm, thank you so much for showing that to me. Wait a minute, 10, 20, okay, thank you, man, that was awesome, uh, I, I'd say, I'd say that, I have every right to do that, why would I have every right to do that, because I, it's mine, I can prove it, how can you prove it, because it contains my image, doesn't it, this contains my image, well, guess what else contains my image, God, his image is in me. And God says, listen, I've saved you. I've sealed you with the Holy Spirit of God. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I belong to Him. And God says, you're mine. 
See, this body is not mine to do with whatever I want. Thanks, Trevin. No cash for you. I, this, this, this body is, is not mine to do whatever I want to do. God says, my image is placed upon you. You are mine. And so therefore, I get to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. And let's tell you what, as a born-again believer, that's not a bad trade-off, folks. I'm telling you what, that's not a bad deal right there. And, and, and Paul gives us some pretty specific demands for the believer's body. And his interest in our bodies could not be any, made, made any stronger or made any clearer. And we need to fully understand that we are to present our body to God. I present this body to God. We, we are not dedicating our body to self, living as one wishes and doing our own thing. That's not what we're supposed to do. Nor are we to dedicate our bodies to anyone else. I don't dedicate my body to anyone else. Now follow me on this. I don't live for, <laughs> listen, just hear me out on this, but I don't live for my family. I do not live for my family. I, I don't even live for my wife. Don't do it. I don't live for my kids. I don't live for my mom. I don't live for my church. I don't live for my, we don't live for our employer. No, listen up, folks. I've been, I, I've been told to dedicate my life to Jesus Christ. That's what I'm supposed to do. I am wholly and wholeheartedly supposed to dedicate my life to Him. But here's the, here's the catch on this. If I dedicate my life to Him, He's going to help me take care of my wife and take care of my children, and take care of my responsibilities, and be a blessing in the church house. But, you know, I love my wife, and I love my children. I love my wife more than my children. I really do, because we're one flesh, and my kids are going to move out one day, amen? And I'm stuck with her. And so we need to work this, you know, so we're one flesh, and she's stuck with me. And so, uh, so we're with this one flesh, and I love my wife, but I, I, I love my Christ. I love my Savior more. Therefore, I'm going to dedicate my life to Him, because He demands it. He says, I want your life because it's mine. I saved your soul. Why, why are you not on the altar? Why are you not doing those things that I have asked you to do? Why are you not even considering giving your life over to me? Why, 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 why am I not in the grand scheme of things here? Why am I not even being considered for, for ministry opportunity or for service in the local church? Why am I not even being considered in a daily part of your life? I'm just telling you what, folks. It's a question we have to ask ourselves. Why, why is he not being considered? We, should, we shouldn't be giving our lives to anything else but Jesus Christ. He is my master. He is my God, and He is my King. And I'm just telling you what, whatever He wants from me, if He wanted me to move to the far reaches of Africa, I would do it in a heartbeat. I don't want to do it. But I would do it in a heartbeat. Amen? If that's what He wanted me to do. You know, Marshall, when I got out of Bible college, there's two places I didn't want to go. California and Florida. Guess where the Lord took us? Florida. For 16 years. Amen? 16 years. I didn't want to go to Florida. I'm like, who wants to go to Florida? People are like, oh man, you're so blessed you're going to Florida. No, I'm not. I'm not. Have you seen the humidity there? I can't do anything with my hair. I mean, it's just flat. But nonetheless, God says, I want you to go to Florida. And I said, yes, sir, I'm going to Florida. I'll do it, I'll do it gladly. I'll go wherever he wants me to do. Listen, that, that's what it means to just dedicate your life to Christ and be placed on that altar. And so, the, the, so some out there, there are, we're supposed to dedicate our lives to Him. But listen, Christian, we shouldn't be giving our lives to anything other than Him. Because there's some out there, there's some Christians that live for houses. There's some Christians that live for lands or prosperity. There's some Christians that live out there for money. And the main thing that they're concerned about is cars or possessions or their profession. And I've dealt with some uh, families and her, their whole life is wrapped up in their children. I've counseled people in my office in Florida whose lives were, their, their life was in almost in ruins. Their marriage was in ruins because their priority was their children. 
rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. Or their lives are tied up in recreation or retirement or luxury or power, recognition or fame or just anything, anything other than Jesus Christ is wrong. It's just flat out wrong. But this body, listen, the body, this body, your body, the body that you're occupying right now is to be offered to God and to God alone. We have to get along. I believe there's two events. There's two events that need to take place in the life of every human being on this planet today. Number one, number one is that you need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There's got to come a place in time when every human being accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I believe the second major event that needs to take place in the life of every human being is that they practice Romans 12, 1 and 2, is that they present their bodies a living sacrifice and are willing to say, Lord, whatever you'd have me do, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm scared half to death. And listen, God's not calling everyone into the mission field. God's not calling everyone to be a pastor or a pastor's wife. God's calling everyone to be laborers in a local church. Boy, I'm telling you what, you know the ministry opportunity right here? Oh, mercy's sake's alive. Uh, I'm just telling you what, God's calling every, you have a calling upon your life to be a holy servant of God. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a spouse, whether you're a church member, whether you're a student, whatever, you have a, you have a calling upon your life. And so God demands the, the body, he demands that it be presented to him once and for all because God wants the body to be sacrificial living for, sacrificially living for him. But the problem with me anyway, I don't know about your life, all I know is me. You know, I know me and I know my family. And the problem with me anyway, and most likely with you, is we have to want to present our bodies to him. I'm just saying there's got to be a desire there. And I don't, there's, no, there's no magic potion to create that. I mean, as a pastor, that's what we pray for, and other church members pray for that, that other people will catch on, and other pe- people will get that, you know. When you, I remember in high school, I took some math classes, and I took some advanced math classes, and, 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 and don't, no, I don't know math now. I mean, that was like 100 years ago. And I remember in math classes, though, when you finally figure out that, that formula, everyone with me, any math nerds out there, when you finally figure out that formula, and you're like, oh, I, got, I got it. I got it, and now you can conquer the world, or at least those four problems, you know, because you finally figured out the formula. I'm just telling you what, it's the same way in the life of a believer when you finally get it, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to give my life to Christ. And, and, and he's not, he may, probably not going to call you into the foreign field. He's probably not going to call you into this, but he is calling you to service to him to the best of your ability, and however he sees fit at Riverside Baptist Church. That's what he's looking for. Yeah, he's going to call some. Praise the Lord for that. He's going to call some in the ministry and some to be a missionary. He's going to do that. And listen, folks, let me tell you, parents, it ought to be your honor. It ought to be your honor and your joy to see your children go into full-time ministry. Man, that's, my, that's what I want. I, I count no greater joy than to see that my kids are serving the Lord. Because some are like, well, I want them to get a full-time job first. They have bills and they got this. And they, oh, listen, man, alive, forget about that. What are you doing? Why not, why not encourage your children, encourage your grandchildren to at least consider, as their life is being placed on the altar, to at least consider the possibility of serving Jesus Christ forever. And so that's what we're talking about. The problem that we have is oftentimes we don't want to, to present that bodies. It's to be a sacrificial, remember, giving something that is worth value Giving something of value up on purpose. That's what we're talking about. Giving something of value up on purpose. And let me tell you what, your life is of great value. I say, well, my life isn't worth much. Listen, it is to God. And it is to those people who you can have a profound impact on. 
Your life is super important. Well, no one cares for me. No one ever calls me. I don't know. Listen, you're, you're important to God. You're, you're, important. you're an important part of the body of Christ. And the believer, listen, the believer is to make that same kind of sacrificial offering to God. Because Paul is using here the picture of the Old Testament believers at the brazen altar taking animals and offering up, them up to sacrifice. And we're to make that same sacrifice unto God. It's just that we're, we're a living sacrifice. So, so what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? So how does this play out? Well, a living sacrifice means, to listen to this, it means a constant, continuous sacrifice. Not just an, an, an occasional dedication of one's body. Did you hear me on that, folks? It, it means a, a constant, continuous sacrifice. God's not looking for weekend warriors when it comes to serving Him. Hey, listen, it's Sunday morning. We've got to put on our Sunday best and put a smile on. Sir. How you doing? And then Monday out there living like the devil. That's not how it works out. A living sacrifice is serving Him on Sunday and being no different on Monday. And being no different on Tuesday. And not being different on Wednesday. And then being different on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. He's not wanting us to be one thing here in the youth department and then something else to appease the kids in the classroom on Monday through Friday. He's not wanting us to be here and serve in the ministry and work in junior church and teach a class and sing in the choir and then go clock in at work and, and pal around with the boys and, and have a filthy mouth. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for a continual sacrifice. A sacrifice that doesn't slip off the altar and do what we want to do. He wants a, a sacrifice to remain on that altar and be sold out to him no matter what takes place. Sorry guys, I'm not going to get involved in that. Sorry guys, I don't want to listen to that stuff anymore. Sorry guys, I'm not going to watch that on the, on the phone anymore. Sorry guys, I'm not going to listen to that stuff anymore. What's the matter with you? Well, I just don't feel like the Lord would have me do that. Man alive, I'm going to lose all my friends. Let me tell you what. When I got my life squared around, I was saved at seven, got out. When I was a mortician, I was a mortician for about six and a half years. Went to school and worked up in Kansas City here in Shawnee. And, uh, and, uh, and then I got my life turned around in my early 20s. I didn't have to get rid of my friends. I just started serving Christ. I just started doing what I was, I just got back on the altar and said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Guess what those friends did? They stopped calling me. They stopped saying, hey, Nell, you want to go out Friday night? No, they knew Nell wasn't going to do that anymore. I didn't have to say, well, you know, now that I'm a living sacrifice, I'm wholly acceptable unto God. I don't want to do that with you, riffraff. You know, I don't want any part of you shenanigans. You know, I didn't have to say anything like that. I was still friendly to them and kind to them because they needed Jesus Christ too. But when you're on the altar, you don't go out and do the things that you used to do. You don't go to those types of activities. You don't skip church because there's a ball game. You, you, you don't do that. You don't listen to that. You don't do this, do this or do that to your body. Because your body's not yours. It's His. This body, I'm, I'll be honest with you, it'll be a little transparent. I'm under conviction as we speak because I need to lose about 30 pounds. I, I, why, why is it that? I, listen, I, I just want to be fit for the Master's use. I, that's all it is. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm supposed to hike the Grand Canyon in October. And I'm like, I'm going to die. I am going to die. They're going to have to airlift me out of there. Not only am I going to die, but Dina's going to owe a helicopter company about eight grand. Or no, it's even higher than that. And so I'm just saying, I, this, this, my body's not mine. Everyone with me on that? God's not looking for weekend warriors. He's looking for Christians who are sold out for Him. He's not looking for that. A person, a person does not sacrifice his body to God today and then take his body back into his own hands and do his own thing tomorrow. A living sacrifice means that a person dedicates his body to live for God and then they keep on living for God. Listen, young people, you folks who made, you young people who made a, 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 a decision tonight and came up and gave testimonies, not just the two that went into full-time service, but the others how God was speaking to your heart, don't forget that. Don't forget that. 
Don't get caught up in school. School's going to fire up here in a week or so. And don't forget what God's wanting to do in your life. You hear me on that? And older, and older folks, us older folks, don't forget what you've told God in times past. Don't forget some of the decisions that you made about what you were going to do and how you were going to live for Him. Don't forget those types of things. A living sacrifice keeps living for God. A living sacrifice also means that the body sacrifices, listen, and I'm, I'm finishing up here, a living sacrifice also means that the body sacrifices their own desires and lives for God. It means, it means our body lives a holy, a righteous, a pure, clean, and a moral life before God. We follow His Word. The body does not pollute. It does, it does not, we need to keep it from being dirty. We do not contaminate ourselves with the sins and the compromises of this world. The believer's body is sacrificed for God and dedicated to live, listen, as He commands. God gives the orders in my life. I say, well, I thought, you, I thought the missus gave. Listen, the missus doesn't give the commands. That's unbiblical anyway. Well, who gives the commands in your home? My God does. My Savior does. And there's where we make our decisions. And then lastly, a living sacrifice means that the body lives for God by just flat out serving Him. It means that the body sacrifices and gives up our own ambitions and my own desires, and, and it serves God while upon this earth. So just what is it that the Lord is wanting to do in our life? What is it that He's willing want to do in your life? Because I have my own ambitions and my own dreams. Man, I really like to do this and I really like to do that. Man, I was going to own several funeral homes back in the early 90s. And I was going to be made and I was going to be out on a golf course every afternoon. And God says, nope, I want you to go to Bible college. And I'm like, okay. I was like, I was scared after death. But I was like, okay. And so much for the funeral business. It was a dead-end job anyway. Don't feel bad. And so I... Oh, man. Yeah. I was very dependable, though. Last one ever let you down. And so, but my question, you'll get some of that here in just a second. But my, listen, folks, my question for you, what's God wanting you to do tonight? What's he been asking you to do? Is there any part of your life that's been slipping off? If, if, if this could symbolize the altar of God, you know, let's just say we're right here and we're at the altar of God. And what is he asking from you? What's he dealing with you about? Is there some, is there some part of your life that has slipped off? Oh, for the most part, we're right in there. I mean, come on, it's Sunday night, preacher. We're here. Okay, great. But what about this part of the body that's been hanging off the altar? What about this part of your life that's maybe not doing what it's supposed to be doing or doing things that you shouldn't be doing and, or, or sins of commission or omission or whatever, how that ever that goes? What about that part of your body that's not fully on the altar? What, what is God dealing with you about tonight? As we mentioned this morning, certainly you need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I mean, if you're not saved, forget this. You need to get saved tonight. You need to get saved. You're going to die and go to a place called hell. I don't care if you're a charter member of BBT, Riverside Baptist Church. If you can't take that piece of chalk and show someone where you got saved, then we need to do some talking, friend. You need to get saved. I don't care who you are. So the first thing you need to do is get saved. And then the second thing is we need to revisit this whole altar thing. As a born-again believer, sometimes we get, we've been saved for so long, you know, sometimes we get saved so long that before we know it, the altar's over there, and we're clear over here, and we don't even realize it. You ever had that happen to you? You're like, oh my, what happened? How did I get clear over here? And maybe it's something as simple as our Bible reading, or something as simple as our prayer time, or maybe there's some things in our life that God's wanting to deal with us on a major scale, and say, you need to get back on the altar. So what's the Lord dealing with you about tonight? And then secondly, man, are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord. I don't know what this all entails, or 
yes, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, or yes, Lord, I'm, I just want to start fresh, or whatever it might be, are you willing to sacrifice that which is valuable to you and serve Him? With heads bowed tonight. Heavenly Father, we come into Your presence tonight. Lord, I just thank You for this passage of Scripture before us. And I, Father, I'm just thankful that You desire to use us. Lord, I, I'm so humbled and I, I am in awe that You're willing to use someone like me. And Father, help us, Lord, convict us and show us these areas of our life where perhaps we have slipped off the altar. Or perhaps we're not where we need to be in our walk with You. And maybe, Father, there's someone tonight that's been convicted about the, the, the lack of assurance of their salvation. Maybe there's someone tonight and they're like, well, I don't know what people will think if I get saved. I don't know what they're going to say. Father, I don't care what anyone else is going to say as long as it means they have that assurance of their salvation. So maybe there's someone tonight they need to pull someone aside and say, I need to talk to you. I need to get saved. But the rest of us, Father, show us, Lord, and perhaps you already have. You've already put into our minds what needs to take place for us to get back on that altar. And so, Lord, convict and help us Help us to be willing to say yes. Yes, Lord. Whatever it is. Or maybe we just need to come and say, Lord, I don't know. I don't feel like you're doing anything important in my life or special, but I just want you to know that, Father, I'm available. If there's a ministry that comes available at Riverside, if there's an opening or if there's a need, Lord, would you show me? And, Lord, I just want you to know that I'm willing to say yes. Maybe there's others that needed to come for just that and say, Lord, I'm willing if you're willing to use me. I just ask, Father, that your hand would be upon this invitation time in Christ's name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. If God's spoken to your heart, why don't you come? Give you an opportunity to respond. As is, as the first verse says. All to Jesus. Thank you for being in the services today with us at Riverside Baptist Church. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we certainly would like to help you with that. You can get more information at our website at rbcstjoe.com or call here at the church. If you're a believer and God has spoken to your heart, I hope you'll take time to turn aside and let Him have His way in your life. If we can help in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to contact us. We look forward to ministering to you again.